Welcome to Relay Chain, a podcast produced by Parity Technologies, where we discuss all things Substrates, Polkadot, and Web3. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about our virtual conference on 28 April, Sub-Zero Online. Join Substrate developers from Parity and the community, including Polkadot founder Gavin Wood, as they share their latest work on the Substrate framework. Go register at subzero.parity.io. You can find the link in the show notes. And now, our episode with Anita. In today's episode of Relay Chain, I had Anita Mujumdar from Eversity. Eversity is focused on using blockchain to aid in financing sustainability projects to meet the UN's 2030 climate action goals. Anita's work has been recognized by the UN, and she spoke at their climate conference in December of 2019. In this episode, we talked about how she got interested in climate finance, what a sustainable city looks like, and how Eversity and Robonomics are using blockchain to drive their initiatives. Today on Relay Chain, we have Anita Mujumdar from Eversity. Uh, welcome to the show, Anita. Uh, can you give yourself a quick introduction? Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you for inviting. It's really nice to be here. So. Um, I'm with Eversity, an ecosystem of smart, sustainable city solutions and a platform for impact measurement, management and investment. I've been working in this team for more than two years now. And uh, my background is in international relations and sustainable development. So back at the university, I was very interested in topics such as funding for renewable energy, rural development uh, in such countries as India and Bangladesh, because I have a partially Indian background, so I'm half, half Russian, half Indian. Um, so I always wanted to know what are the economic mechanisms to help fund sustainability-aligned projects in those countries. And uh, this is how I got involved, first in Russian Carbon Fund, then in Eversity and uh, other projects related to blockchain implementation. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot that we can go into here. So you told me earlier that you're interested in climate finance and sustainable digital finance. Can you talk about what those are? Because we don't usually hear like climate finance together. Sure. Um, so climate finance is basically a way to fund projects to reduce carbon emissions. And you could speak more broadly about impact finance, so finance for sustainable development goals. So as you may know, in 2015, uh, UN adopted sustainable development goals, uh, which should be attained by 2030 to ensure that we meet climate agree uh, climate goals, uh, Paris Agreement goals, that uh, we cope with poverty, we ensure clean water for all and all other important initiatives uh, for sustainable development. And um, now it is acknowledged that there is a big gap. So there is like a 2.5 trillion gap yearly of investments needed to cover uh, those sustainable development goals and how do you do this? Uh, you need to fund them somehow. So different agencies, governments are allocating funds in different ways. So there is, for example, Green Climate Fund, which aims to mobilize like $100 billion for uh, those climate projects. And um, there is also Europe Green Deal, like recently, recently announced, and they aim to mobilize up to $1 trillion to climate projects to attain climate neutrality. So it's like a huge amount of money. And um, those are climate finance, finance to cope with climate challenges, to attain climate neutrality. But also there are different issues related to those climate initiatives. Yeah, so what got you interested in this space in the first place? Uh, so for me, the primary interest was uh, how do you ensure 
that sustainable development goals are met because uh, they're not trivial, you know. Uh, the current economic system as it is created does not provide a lot of incentives for something that comes out, comes out of profit and climate and environment is something that is a little bit beyond profit. So there are many economic theories about this that I studied back in the university and I learned more in Russian Carbon Fund in every city. They were related to property rights and to the liability for damage, liability for polluting. And um, theories by Austrian Economic School and by Ronald Coase, he's a British economist, won Nobel Prize in 1991. And uh, they created theories of social costs. So the main idea is that when there is a polluter and then there is a buyer. So who, who of them is responsible? Who is liable for uh, pollution? So the theory is that when you buy some goods from the polluter, you also take the liability. And then between the, the polluter and the buyer, you establish an economic mechanism of transferring those negative outcomes. So, yeah. So I want to I want to get into the economics a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and I know like the the founder of the DAO, IPCI, Anton Glenovich, yeah, wrote yeah. a lot about like yeah, uh, exactly about coasts and and the kind of the exchange in these markets. But so you were interested in it from like an economic point of view? Yes, I was interested in economic and in development point of view because I was very much interested in, in rural development. You know, those kind of concepts like microfinance for small rural communities in India. So I was doing some research in this in the university. And I wanted to find like mechanisms that really work in practice. How can you do this? What are the innovative ways to do this? Um, that's how I got involved. Yeah, and I mean, economics, you can apply to a lot of different fields. Like, why were you specifically passionate about like climate and uh, sustainability? Um, well, because this is like um, the key topic of our generation, right? Climate. Because this is the challenge that we're going to live with and we can acknowledge it or not, but climate is changing, you know, and I see it with my own eyes, you know, in Russia this year, there was no snow on like on New Year, there was a little bit of snow. But before that whole December, it was like plus five degrees. And this is abnormal, totally never seen that in my life. And this is like a real evidence that climate is changing. And then I went to India and it was freezing there. So you see this climate movements, they're not mm, you're not uniform there different processes going on and we have to account for them. We have to understand how to deal with them and how to adapt and mitigate. So there's like not something theoretical, but real life challenges. So this is why I'm interested. Yeah. So there are a bunch of different approaches to sustainability and like fighting climate change. You're focused a lot on smart cities or sustainable smart cities. Can you talk about just like maybe outside of just the smart cities, like what are like the macro approaches to this problem right now? Okay, so uh, if we talk about the concept of smart cities, in every city, uh, we are very much focused on this idea because there is evidence that national governments are not necessarily the most efficient way to solve climate problems. And cities are the ones who are faced with most challenges, but also uh, they're mostly interested in fighting those challenges. So, you know, cities uh, for a very long time, even if you look 500 years back, there have been cases of cities being autonomous and having unions that uh, govern themselves. Like, you know, there was Hanseatic League in the north in the Baltic Sea, uh, which united some ports and trade cities from Germany, Belgium, Russia, Hamburg. Uh, yeah, Hamburg was one of them, uh, one of the cities. And the capital was Lübeck. So those cities had their own legislation, which is like pretty amazing. They had the legislation, uh, they had lobbying, and uh, they had some trade mechanisms uh, between within themselves to promote their interests. And now if you take 
this idea from 500 years back and bring it now. So the cities are the ones which are faced with climate challenges and they want to do things which are not necessarily supported by national governments. So they can establish their own unions and uh, they can exchange mechanisms with the help of technology, with the help of decentralized technology. And this is where we come in with blockchain and so on. So why do you think that is? Why do cities, why are they more invested or why do they care more about these issues than a, a nation state? Just a very simple reason. Cities have a very big population which is growing and we have urbanization going on everywhere. And they also have the biggest challenges and they have to adapt right? Because all the climate challenges, waste problems, uh, sustainable, even if you talk about sustainable agric agriculture, it is it also comes in the value chain of smart cities, because you have to source food sustainably, you have to ensure that there is enough for everyone. Uh, you have to ensure that there is not, um, there is no traffic congestion. So cities like our center of everything that's going on. For example, in Jakarta, you know, mm, the traffic is so bad that you, you cannot get to the airport on time. So uh, you have to plan like five years, uh, five, five, sorry, five hours in advance. <laughs> <laughs> five years. Yeah, so. <clears throat> and they're actually relocating the capital because of those reasons, because you cannot live in the city. So rural areas uh, don't have that much of the problem. And nation, nation states, they just cannot focus on all kind of problems. So it's much better when the city, which knows its problem, governs itself, finds the best way to cope with those challenges. Yeah, so when we talk about, like, there's so many challenges, like you just said, like there's getting food, which will probably come a lot from rural areas, and then there's like carbon emissions from vehicles and within the city. When you think about sustainability for a city, what factors are you looking at? Uh, so when you look about sustainability, okay, there is a um, source of food. How do you get it? And how do you ensure that it has been sourced sustainably? So you need to monitor all this stuff. And you can use technologies for that, like satellite IoT and so on. There is also air quality. You need to understand uh, whether it is livable. And you, you can also make predictions and simulations to ensure that um, there is enough research. You, you could optimize transportation routes based on air quality simulations and predictions. And then factories, of course, um, factories probably should not be located within the city. You should optimize them, probably put them away outside the city to ensure that there is no pollution. Well, one example is Delhi. You know, I've just I've just come from Delhi, and I made some uh, environmental readings there, measurements, and uh, the particle um, content was ten times more than prescribed by World Health Organization. And uh, what kind of particle? A particle. You know, there is a uh, PM two point five. Uh, there are particulate matter of uh, certain size. There are two point five, and there are ten, and they're very bad for lungs. They cause cancer. And they're mainly caused by uh, traffic, by uh, combustion, and by factories, and so on. So uh, those are really bad for you. And uh, people are measuring them in order to make sure that, um, yeah, that, that that they stay within the safe limit. Because if it goes up, you just cannot live there. You, you have to wear a mask, you know. Um, and then the air, the smog is so thick that you could see it with your naked eye. You don't even, you know, need to make any measurements you can see that it's very bad so and the reasons for this bad <clears throat> situation is uh, traffic uh, because they're not using fuel of very good quality there are factories which are within the city so they're, they're on the outskirts but it's very close and when there is still air um, there is no movement of air in winter uh, so all the pollution goes inside the city, it does not go out. And the third reason is agriculture, because right outside Delhi, there are there is another state which is very... So it grows a lot of crops like rice and wheat, and uh, they have a system that 
uh, they do not have enough time to rotate crops, so they have to burn whatever is left on the field. So they grow rice, uh, and then they burn everything, and then they plant wheat. I mean, they, they burn leftovers, <laughs> not the fields. So they burn the leftovers, and then they plant wheat. So they don't have enough time to leave it uh, for natural you know, rotting of this leftovers. So this is why there is a lot of smog and it all comes to the city. So this is the problem. Like there are sustainability challenges in all different bits of economy, but the city is the one which suffered. Yeah. So before we get to like exactly the strategy or, or tactics and what, what you're going to measure, like what would a sustainable city look like? What, what would be like a, a nice sustainable city for you? Okay. The nice sustainable city would be the one where decisions are driven by data. Like you collect a lot of data with whatever means, with IoT devices, with satellites, with drones, monitoring, all, all kinds of data on environment, on traffic, on people movements. Uh, a very important part of this sustainable city would be decentralization. Because when you collect large amounts of data, you don't want it to be stored in one single center. Uh, you want this data to belong to people. And this is the value of every city. It is very important for security. So decentralization would be a key. And uh, then in this city, uh, there would be centers, there would be mechanisms for making decisions uh, based on analysis of this data. So, and then out of this, everything else would come, you know, self-driving vehicles and other stuffs and urban gardens, rooftop gardens, uh, urban agriculture, everything that could come out of it. But it should be all based on real data that you collect. Yeah, so like I understand that like the data is kind of like informing the strategy exactly. of the city. But yeah, so like you mentioned self-driving cars and urban agriculture. Can you talk about like what the city looks like? So you you would have like urban agriculture, self-driving cars. Like why why is that important, and why is this like the city that that you would want to live in? So I would want to live in a city where the decisions that I made are the most efficient ones. So. In some city, it could be urban agriculture. For example, if there are problems with sourcing agriculture from somewhere else, if there are long supply chains. In other city, there could be, you could source agriculture from nearby farms. Like it's, it would all depend on the place. So I want to live in the city where, again, the decision would be made on, on based on efficiency. What is the best solution for this? Also the city where you could influence the decision-making by different means. And also the city where I could contribute somehow, where I could have my own somehow means of producing food and other stuff. Yeah. So as we transition to to blockchain, because like some people would argue that these means exist. Like I guess depending on like where you live, like which country or, or city you live in, like there are city councils or you know ways to have an impact for for an individual. So when we talk about like using blockchain. Like, what are some of the problems with the way that these cities are managed right now? Uh, or any city. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we really have any truly smart cities. Yeah, I, know. Um, I guess it's a very broad term, smart city. Yeah, it, it is indeed. It is indeed very broad. And there are now only bits and pieces of smart city technologies being implemented. Um, so there are basic problems. One is lack of scalability of solutions. So you have solution implemented somewhere, but you do not have enough funds allocated to scale it up, or you have some solution on blockchain, for example, but you cannot scale it due to interoperability reasons. And this is why uh, Substrate is very important technology for smart cities, because you need to ensure that different blockchains, different ways of collecting data can work with each other, can be interoperable. This is like the key issue, which is being discussed at all, you know, UN conferences and uh, very important for them. 
other reasons, like in cities, it's a lot about decision making. It's all it's a lot about allocating funds, creating mechanisms for accelerating startups. So you want to make sure that there is a mechanism, there is a bridge to bring the ideas from there origin to actual implementation, there needs to be accelerators. So this is another thing that which, which we're doing at Server City. We're trying to build uh, this value chain of solutions. And um, this year, no, not, okay, not this year, last year. <laughs> last year, we presented this at International Tele Telecommunications Union, one of the UN bodies which deals with ICT, and they're very much focused on smart, sustainable cities. So ecosystem approach is very much at the core of what they believe is the key. Uh, for change, and uh, we won a ecosystem best practice solution uh, award for for what we did, and uh, what we did was a hackathon and accelerator, like demo days, trying to make those ideas and projects on blockchain and so on, and other technologies, blockchain, AI, IoT, from their generation to actual piloting and implementation. Yeah, and we'll talk about the robotomics one in a minute. But can you talk about like so you mentioned there are all these like kind of like small pilot programs that their problem is they need to scale or they need to be able to operate with other programs, right? Um, can you talk about like some of these programs and what they look like? So currently we have several big initiatives. Um, the first one which we're working on is EverCity platform for impact measurement and investment. So the idea of the EverCity platform is that, oh, for example, when a development bank wants to fund some kind of project, they want to make sure that the impact has actually been made uh, for example, you, you imagine that you're somewhere in Washington and you invest in rural Chile and solar power plant. You want to make sure how much electricity has been generated, what are the co-benefits, uh, you know, what are some negative implications. So you want, again, to measure and to take this data to allocate funds to this project based on the data that you collect. So we have done several use cases, several small use cases related to those kind of technologies. Uh, one was related to issuance of renewable energy certificates in Chile on blockchain. So it was done with blockchain and IoT integration, done with Robonomics platform. And um, the idea was to bring some additional funding to this project on one side, and on the other side to prove to the potential funder to the potential development bank, uh, which amount of electricity has been generated by this power plant. So this is one initiative and we're planning to scale this. So for 2020, EverCity has a roadmap to have um, at least two cases on impact measurement like this. One will be with energy sector, probably on issuing renewable energy certificates, probably on tracking origin of biomass for biomass power plant, you know, making sure that it has been sustainably sourced and um, there has been no deforestation caused by planting this biomass and so on. So two cases would be on measurement. Yeah, energy, agriculture, we're planning a use case in Indonesia on also measuring uh, the impact and measuring the condition of different uh, farmers' produce, uh, like melons and coffee planning to install different kind of devices like IoT, satellites, drones for measuring this. And the third case would be related to finance, again, to climate finance, to issuing different kinds of financial instruments to support climate projects. So those are our plans and we are planning to scale them. Um, there is another very interesting concept in relation to impact funds and uh, their initiatives. So there are often cases when 
one project is funded by different development banks, so different impact funds. And they have a challenge of impact allocation. So, for example, I came first. I'm the bank, you're the bank. I came first, I gave like uh, $100 to the project. And then you come and you give $100 to the project. And then there is some kind of impact. How do we decide who this impact belongs to? Who accounts for this? Uh, so you need to have a methodology for this and you need to have a technical uh, means to allocate this impact. And this is where blockchain and DAO concept are very useful and very convenient. So this is another uh, big issue that we're exploring and that we would like to pilot and scale. Yeah, so speaking of blockchain, you work with Robonomics and you just launched the uh, public blockchain for open sensor networks. Mm -hmm. um, where you're going to be measuring air, water, and soil pollution with a network of IoT devices that interface with the uh, Robonomics blockchain. Um, can you talk a bit about that program? Sure. Uh, but first, I'll probably speak a little bit about Robonomics so that um, you have, like, yeah. our listeners have a better idea of what they do. So, Robonomics platform has uh, four years of R&D experience and different practical projects on uh, integration of robots with blockchain. So uh, the main idea behind what they do is that while in Industry 3.0 had robot as a product, like in Industry 4.0 we have robot as a service, and we need to establish a mechanism for communication and economic relations between people and robots and between machines themselves. Uh, so Robonomics team has worked a lot on an integration of IoT devices with Ethereum blockchain. Uh, they've been working with Substrate Framework since, uh, I think, late 2018. And um, they've done a lot of cases on decentralized management of drone fleets and other projects like this. So in 2016, together with the Robonomics team, our team of Russian Carbon Fund launched a project DAO APCI, uh, which was it's called Integrated Platform for Climate Initiatives. And uh, this project had uh, the first current credit transaction on Ethereum blockchain was yeah, acknowledged sorry. by Intel. Uh, so I'll, I'll just briefly s say about this and then it will be easier to understand why we are moving to these initiatives with smart devices. So DAO PCI had a lot of use cases and some of them were related to IoT integration with blockchain, like for renewable energy certificates for carbon credit and so on. And uh, the next step for scaling this initiative uh, was to create a new uh, framework, a new fork on Substrate to create a decentralized uh, data of um, a decentralized database of environmental data collected with the smart devices all around the world. So the idea behind this initiative that we announced at COP was uh, to educate climate action NGOs on the potential to use technologies for their measurements. Can you say what COP is? Yeah, COP is Climate Conference, sorry. Climate Change Conference, uh, Conference of Bodies, yeah. Uh, so we announced this initiative at, at COP25 in Madrid, uh, which initially was to take place in Chile, but it was moved to Madrid. Yeah, the idea of this project, Blockchain for Open Sensors Network, is first to educate climate action NGOs on the potential to use uh, smart sensors and different devices uh, and uh, with blockchain integration uh, to collect and store data. And uh, for this year, our roadmap is to partner with probably 30 different participants, uh, different climate action activists, NGOs, respectable NGOs, probably from um, 
from our community, from Sustainable Development Solutions Network and so on, to collect this environmental data, to visualize it and to present it at next climate conference. So how did you, how did you end up like getting involved with Robonomics and admitting their team? So, um, yeah, as I said, uh, in 2016, Russian Carbon Fra Fund, uh, whose uh, founder is Alexei Shadrin, and he's also a founder of Evercity. Uh, he met with uh, Sergey, and um, they started working on the project DAO PCI for green financial instruments on blockchain. And um, the third co-founder of this project was Dr. Anton Galinovich, uh, who passed away last year. And he did a lot of research on economic theory and on environmental economics. So his ideas were based on uh, uh, the theories of Austrian Economic School and Ronald Coase, who was a Nobel Prize winner in economics in 1991. And uh, those ideas were related to liability for environmental damages and uh, to settlement mechanisms. And uh, the core value of DAO IPCI was to create a P2P decentralized mechanism for the settlements, eliminating middlemen, eliminating any inefficiencies that can be caused by this. Yeah, I read one of uh, Anton's uh, articles like last week. Um, that was, it was really interesting about the quantization of yeah, environmental yeah. effects. And like one part that he talked about was that a lot of times when a government comes in to try to fix a problem, they just end up creating another problem. Exactly. Um, because it's you have like a, you have somebody who's causing some damage and then somebody who's, who's being harmed. And then the government comes in and you have like now a third party. And so it's actually made the whole situation more complex. But like the peer-to-peer -peer technology didn't really exist, you know, several years ago. How do you think that like this DAO and blockchain in general can help solve some of these problems in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion? So blockchain creates an instrument for this peer-to-peer settlement. So uh, blockchain allows um, issuing different green financial instruments based on their actual impact, based on the data collected, and it creates a mechanism for transactions. So it's like the best fit, the technology that fits best for this problem and this challenge. And the DAO concept, as I said, is very important for impact allocation in case of impact finance. Yeah, so like, how are you going to use this data? Because like in the in the Robonomics sensor network, you're looking at air, water, and soil data. Like what impact do you see that driving? So, um, the, so the, there are um, a little bit separate initiatives that we're talking about. If uh, for merely the open sensors network project, the idea is to test the mechanism of uh, collecting this data and putting it on substrate. So it's more like a technical initiative, and then we're going to visualize those uh, this data and present it. But later, we'll, we're going to use this methodology and um, this test for every city platform. In this platform, we're going to collect this data for development banks and for impact funds who are funding different SDG projects in developing countries and other countries. And for them, this data will be key for decision making. It will be key for their reporting on the impact, for understanding whether the project that they're funding are actually delivering what they say they are delivering. And uh, it will be the key for allocating, taking decisions on allocating more or less resources to this project. So they, this data that we'll collect 
will become a very valuable thing for development agencies. Yeah, so like you mentioned at the beginning, I think like a $2.1 trillion gap in funding for environmental action. Exactly. Um, and so this will help decide like how's the best way to allocate these funds. Exactly, and it will help to, do, uh, to understand how efficient how efficient is this debt allocation? So we're trying to tackle this challenge. So why not collect this data in a more centralized way? I mean, who's the? I mean, blockchain is usually used to solve like some sort of trust issue, right? Like you want to believe that the data has some veracity or integrity to it. So why is it important to have this data in a in a decentralized way? Yeah, like you say, this is the issue of trust because there is a very long chain of different people and different organizations involved in this climate finance space. So you want to make sure that at every stage, the data is reliable and trustworthy. And uh, also to establish global cooperation between different countries, different agencies. You also need to make sure that everyone trusts each other, everyone can rely on each other. Because when a project uh, reports on this data, you cannot really make sure that the data that it reports is accurate uh, because everyone has their own interests. And uh, you need to acknowledge this also when bank reports to its uh, to people who give funds, well, impact fund reports to its funders, you know, there are those transparency and trust issues at every step. So blockchain helps to eliminate them, creating like a very clear picture of what is going on. Yeah. So like one city can't kind of color the results to make it look like they're doing better than they really are. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, like what cities or countries are part of this program right now? Which program? The uh, Open Sensor Network. Uh, we're partnering not so much with cities, but with individuals, with individual NGOs. So Russia, obviously, because we're there. We also have partners in African countries, like in Togo. I think there would be some other pilots in probably Asian countries, but we're just launching, so it's not yet decided. But will be many partners from all over the world, I think. Yeah, have you deployed any sensors yet? So, well, yeah, I was the first one to test this project, right? So I was doing this in India, making environmental measurements. And our first um, project, I think, will be in this African country. Uh, so we're in the middle of launching it, actually. So you have all the sensors and like running network yeah, and everything. Yeah. You're just in the deployment phase right now. Yes. So the network is running. Yeah, I tested it. Works perfectly. Like it's the good thing is that it's really convenient and easy to use for non-technical guys. Um, so I think it will be not very difficult for any kind of NGOs. So yeah, everything is ready to be deployed. Yeah, that's awesome. Like this information seems really valuable in helping these decisions. What kind of trends do you see coming out of this once people have these tools to make decisions in a more decentralized way? Mm -hmm. um, that's a very good question because actually right now there is a big wave coming. And if several years back, in 2016, we were, when our team was starting this project. This was pretty much grassroots. Now all the trends are coming from above, from United Nations. So at COP25, at Climate Conference, UNFCCC, the main body which is responsible for climate change, announced that they are very much interested in blockchain, IoT and AI for climate challenge and they see a great potential. Like a couple of weeks back in Brussels, there was an event called DLT for Europe Green Deal, which is pretty amazing. You know, very high level officials are now actually talking about real cases of blockchain implementation for climate. If previously it was mostly about research, about some pilot projects, now they're actually allocating funds for this. And also in Berlin uh, last week, there was an 
event of Sustainable Development Solutions Network also related to these issues with very high level you know, representative of development banks. So there is a very big wave coming. And there are a lot of opportunities and um, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. But there are also challenges and uh, some of them are solved uh, by substrate technology, which is why we are particularly interested in building on substrate. So one is interoperability challenge. Uh, that you need to make sure that blockchain is scalable, that it is interoperable, that it's like a real internet of blockchains. And this is something that everyone is looking for. And uh, the other issue is um, carbon footprint, footprint of blockchain. So this is an issue that you cannot um, avoid and everyone is saying, uh, yeah, proof of work is not really environmental friendly and there need to be other mechanisms. And this is also what Substrate and Polkadot have, like other mechanisms, uh, which are more climate friendly. So those are the opportunities. And there are actually a lot of even international organizations related specifically to blockchain for climate. So for example, there is Climate Chain Coalition, uh, founded also at uh, one of the climate conferences at uh, several years back, a couple of years back. And our PCI was actually one of the founding members. So they're also thinking about the best ways to apply blockchain and IoT for uh, impact measurement and uh, for climate finance. Another pretty amazing thing, pretty trendy, is that at NextCorp there is going to be a digital innovation zone for the first time. Uh, a lot of things coming and this is definitely the area that is interesting to watch. So, and a lot of uh, potential for parity technologies, for substrate technology there. Yeah, when is the COP conference? Uh, December, December in Glasgow. Yeah, so, oh, okay, in Glasgow, it'll be cold and dark, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it will be very windy. Like, Glasgow is super windy place. Yeah, I mean, so what do you hope to have? Like, that's almost a year away. Um, like, what would you hope to see at this UN, uh, at the COP conference for their digital track? Mm. Uh, so, real use cases, of course. Uh, we hope to see real use cases by companies, by innovators, all represented at the Digital Innovation Zone. From our side, we're also planning to present several use cases. The platform for impact measurement and investment that I mentioned, uh, we're going to showcase a couple of use cases at uh, COP26 anyways, and the outcomes of uh, the initiative blockchain for open sensors network. So we really, really hope uh, that there will be examples of work that has been done by different companies in terms of smart cities in terms of innovation and blockchain because there is a lot of sh uh, there is a lot to show and there will be even more coming yeah and then as far as launching this program and your other Evercity programs what are your plans for this year um so for Evercity platform uh the main plan is to have uh three use cases at least three use cases on impact measurement and on sustainable digital finance. So one use case will be related to energy, uh, to issuance of renewable energy certificates, and probably to tracking the origin of biomass for biomass power plants, using IoT devices and satellite data and creating digital passports like certificates, uh, proving that the biomass has been sustainably sourced. Other use case will be related to smart agriculture because it is another key thing for climate change. There are two main topics for uh, climate. One is energy and the other is agriculture because there are two mostly contributing sectors uh, to climate change. So in agriculture, as I mentioned, we're planning a use case in Indonesia 
uh, where we are going to monitor uh, different plantations, coffee and melon plantations using satellites, also drones and IoT. And um, we're going to present this at ASEAN Smart City uh, conference that we're also organizing uh, in spring. And uh, the next, uh, the third case will be uh, related to digital finance and uh, to impact allocation. And so we'll also see about this and uh, try to present uh, all of this at COP26. And where do you see this Robonomics data fitting in? So Robonomics uh, is like our uh, main partner and um, main framework for integration of data from different types of devices, IoT and drones and so on, to blockchain. So Robonomics are uh, our main technical partners for this sphere, and we'll be definitely working with them in all our initiatives. Yeah, so across all three. Yeah, yeah, across all three. Yeah, okay. Um, I think we can wrap it up there, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Yes, just in general, I'd like to really thank you for having us here. And um, it's like we are very proud to be uh, within your community, within Parity community. One of our main advisors, Denis Soldat, if you probably know him, he's Parity DevOps. And he's the one who um, advised us to use Substrate for our initiatives in the first place. So we are very much grateful for you that you're providing those technologies, uh, which we can apply for our purposes for climate and for environment. So we'll be happy to continue cooperating with you, or maybe to have some joint events and workshops. Maybe we would like to tell you more how you could use your technologies for climate, because this wave is really coming and it's going to be very important. So yeah, hope to cooperate with you more on this. Yeah. Thank you for coming to Berlin to do this. And um, where should people go to find out more about Eversity? Uh, sure. Um, we'll put uh, some links probably to to this uh, to description in this video, uh, links to our presentations at uh, COP25 and others. And we also have a website, of course, and Medium with our articles. So we'll all, we'll provide all those links okay. in this video. Great. Thank you, okay. Anita. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening to Relay Chain. We'd love to keep in touch. Follow us on Twitter at Relay Chain or email podcast at parity.io. Our team at Parity includes some of the leading peer-to-peer -peer networking developers, consensus algorithm inventors, blockchain innovators, and Rust developers. If you want to learn more about our work or want to work with us, visit our website at parity.io and sign up for our newsletter at parity.io newsletter. 